Ivan Hamilton, welcome. This is the second episode of uh, Community Decoded, a podcast where I chat with world-class community leaders like yourself to uh, decode, dissect, and dive a little deeper of how you think and build community uh, in your previous experience and what you do at, you know, current experience. But uh, I'm actually very excited for this session. You know, uh, let's 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 dive into it. Like, welcome again. So on on top of my head, I I want to I want to say number one, I'm fascinated by seeing your resume. Oh my god, <laughs> you worked at multiple uh, brands that are very popular in tech, uh, namely like Reddit, you know, user voice, CMX. These are like big 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 brands, and currently you're a director of community at HubSpot. Uh, so right off the bat, I'm like wondering, how did you end up in community space? I want to, I want to learn and hear the origin story of uh, Ivan. <laughs> sure. Well, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Uh, yeah, my origin story, as with I think many of kind of the OG community folks, uh, was random. Uh, I responded just to date myself to a Craigslist ad about updating a MySpace page. And really? wow. <laughs> uh, ended up stumbling into a community manager job when there was probably 40 other people in the world max doing it. Wait, Wasn't... you said you said you, you found a community job on Craigslist? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Originally, they just needed someone to update their MySpace page. Uh, and then wow. they you know, said, hey, come in, come in a few more hours a week, come in a bit more. Uh, and then eventually offered me a number that was incredibly low. But as a recent college grad, I felt like I had hit the jackpot. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, go ahead. I didn't mean to stop you. No, no worries. Yeah. So, you know, community was incredibly nascent then. Uh, you know, there had mm. been a couple, you know, a couple individuals uh, mm -hmm. in the maybe late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but this was around... I don't know, 2006, 2007 time period. There are very few people doing this. And frankly, we didn't really know exactly what this industry was, was mm -hmm. going to be. What we did know is that it was about a new approach to right. attracting and retaining customers by providing right. more value to them. Right. Um, you know, I think a lot in common with the inbound framework that, that HubSpot created. Right. And I discovered that it just so happened to actually be the perfect fit for my personality. Mm -hmm. Um, I am an introvert who likes throwing parties. So I like bringing people together, uh, nice. but I don't necessarily need to be the center of attention. I, I'm happy when I see other people connecting and, right. uh, you know, I'd done this in high school as a, uh, making maps for a game called myth two, which was mm -hmm. Bungie before they built halo. Uh, mm -hmm. I did this in college, you know, uh, creating a band and bring people together to do that. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, I could get paid to bring people together. And so <laughs> feel very lucky. <laughs> I stumbled into that opportunity and you know, right. very lucky that I had the opportunity to work, uh, to really you know build up what community is and work with all right. the amazing people that uh, joined the industry during that time. I love that. I think, so one of the things, I think it's kind of like a thread I'm observing whenever I talk to, uh, industry legends, I, I want to call like you guys, you, David Spinks, uh, Erica Kuhl, like some of those, some of the guys, like I'm, I, I treat myself as a baby. I mean, I'm just getting started <laughs> in community space, but compared to you or somewhere else, the thread I follow is you guys have experiences like that are 
very non-tech in, in the beginning of your career. Like you said, mm-hmm. you love bringing people for a band or uh, or your video game that you, I, I'm, I'm not a video game nerd. So uh, apologize for that. But I feel that really, really helps. Uh, and to me, the same way, you know, I'm an introvert as well. And my little bit of my origin story is like, I love, love to actually chat with people on Twitter, like helping founders and makers and the peers and learning from them at the same time that actually brought me, uh, this skill I call community building in a very natural way. I'm like, you know what? Wow. That's really interesting. And the same way you said, if we're getting paid for what we love to do, that's like, I think that's like the ultimate jackpot, right? So I love, love that, that origin story of yours. And thanks for sharing. Uh, so you got, you got, you got a job from Craigslist <laughs> going from changing my space details in my space <laughs> page to like, you know, where you are at. It's, it's really quite fascinating to see uh, your whole experience. Like you worked at Reddit, you were a director of community at Reddit. You were at CMX, Coursera, Userflow. How was your journey going from one brand to another? And uh, while navigating these companies, what are some things you learned? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a, a stranger resume than some. I think you know some people have gone really deep on B two B or really deep on consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, for better or for worse, you know, I chase what looks interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to be entertained by what I'm doing. Right. And, you know, in some ways that, that is challenging because people say, oh, you haven't done B2B in eight years. Um, but in some ways, I think it's really beneficial because I've, I've gotten to see so many different angles of the industry. I've worked mm. in ed tech, e-commerce, B2B, consumer, you know, pretty much everything. Um, and so, I, you know, I think one thing that I've learned from that is just category doesn't matter that much. Mm. I've had a lot of folks say, oh, man, you left Reddit for HubSpot? Isn't HubSpot like super boring B2B CRM <laughs> stuff? Right. The fact of the matter is like at Reddit, most of my day to day was logistics. It wasn't mm. getting to go into the amazing, super fun spaces on Reddit and geek out about the content. It was, okay, how do we deal with this decrease in retention? How do we deal with this pushback we're getting from our members? How do we deal with trying to grow this category? Um, so I think you have to love the work. Um, right. I think if you chase the fancy company or you chase the category that seems shiny, um, right. that it loses its luster pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one learning for me. I'm having just as much fun at HubSpot as I did at Reddit, um, fun mm. in a different, different way sometimes. Mm. I think the other takeaway is, you know, you have to adapt to the business. One mm. of the pieces of feedback I've gotten at HubSpot is, wow, it seems like you actually took the time to understand the business. Mm. People were surprised. And I was like, really? Of course mm. I did. But they said, well, sometimes we bring in experts and they say, here's my roadmap. I've done it 20 times. I'm just going to apply it to your business. Mm. And I think that is where we can fall into a trap. If we mm. base what we're doing on what we've done before, obviously bring mm. your lessons, bring your best practices, but every mm-hmm. business is different. And the way community Correct. applies to every business is different. Right. And so rather than saying, here's my cookie cutter community approach, you have to take the time to look at what is the business trying to accomplish? What do they care about? You know, what is their vibe and adjust your programs based on that. And so the things I built at CMX are very different from what I built at user voice, Mm. which are very different than what I built at Coursera. 
even right. UserVoice and HubSpot, which are both B2B, you know, taking right. relatively different approaches. There's some common threads, but there's a lot that's new and different. And so, you know, I think that's my biggest takeaway is understand your business because mm. not only are you going to build a better program, but you're also going to get a lot more support from the organization because they're going to tell, okay, this, this right. person is here to help us accomplish our goals versus this person is here to build the thing that they want to build. Right. I think what you said is absolutely true. I, you know, uh, can't stress how important it is to realize the fact that every startup is different. Every business is different. It's like every, every human being is different in their own way. You can't apply, you know, even your friends, yourself are different from your, your mom, dad, sister, siblings, spouse. I, I think underlying the underlying fact there is to be very human about it. I, I treat community building as a, as a human experience. It's not like a, it's not a business exactly. transaction. At, once you get into that stage, like level zero, you kind of like removes your, the, the, you remove yourself like from the pressure of building something for results per se. And you adapt, like that's an, that's an amazing insight too. Like for listeners, you adapt to the current situations, right? Uh, I have a follow-up question there. Uh, since you kind of worked in both, uh, both, both, I would, I would call like both industries, like B2B, B2C, mm -hmm. how is community building, uh, different in B2B, uh, space and versus B2C? What do you, what do you think that founders or, you know, even community builders, community managers should think about? Yeah. I mean, I think there are pluses and minuses to both. Um, mm. I think in consumer, you know, people understand a bit more that brand is important and right. um, there may be less overall organizational focus on numbers. Numbers are still mm -hmm. incredibly important, but yep. the way a Reddit grows, the way a Zozi grew was less trackable, less scientific. It's a little bit more based on vibe. You know, someone hears about it and goes, oh, that sounds cool. I'm going to check it out. Um, B2B tends to be a little more structured and people are checking review sites. They're looking at your website. They're going through a trial, all of those things. Right. And so B2B can be a little bit more demanding from the um, metrics side. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I think B2B, there's so much opportunity and, and maybe a little bit more than the consumer side, mm -hmm. only in that uh, it's very hard to create a fun enough community for regular consumers to join. They have a lot of options to entertain themselves right. um, and a lot of <laughs> options for how to connect. And right. on the B2B side, I think there's still more open space where there's various groups that haven't been connected for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there, there's upsides and downsides to each at the core. I think they're all still to your point about people, mm -hmm. about people's needs, about their concerns and insecurities, how you can address mm -hmm. those things and then how you can tie that to the business goals. So I don't approach them radically differently. I think it's more just in the uh, the details of the execution is where the formats right. may be different, the way you report out on them may be a bit different. Yeah, one of the things I kind of personally struggle, even I'm, you know, we're building a community at Threado as well. We, it's called Community Champs. Uh, we we gather like world-class community managers and we, what we're trying to do is like empathize with them. and trying to create value, what, whatever the things they're going through, everybody has shit going on in their life. We want to create a safe space like, hey, brand with us or, you know, offer some help or like seek help and so on and so forth. And 
it really is hard what what you said is absolutely true b2c is very sexy it's kind of like the has mm-hmm. that edge yeah right you can talk about pop culture people will be like yes let's actually yeah. like talk about marvel the next big thing <laughs> or let's talk about football let's talk about nba whatever it is right like soccer that's going on for b2b my my only complaint is everything is a transaction sadly mm. everything is like give and take everything is like hey what 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 can i get out of your product like if it's a product company uh so what do you suggest for personally for me like i'm only asking for myself and hopefully listeners <laughs> can benefit out of it what do you what do you what should i do in terms of like taking initiatives and mm. you know we're doing a lot but we're trying to wind down a little bit uh end of this year and come back with a fresh approach for 2023 so what do you suggest like you know uh treat community building for you know b2b folks uh, let me let me complete this question the reason i'm asking that question is it's really hard to please a business mm. because mm-hmm. it's not like a single person game it's a team mm-hmm. game unlike consumers like if i talk about football all the football fans come join you know hopefully like you know go refraff rant and what not when it comes to b2b there is a community manager there is a ceo there is a founder you have to like kind of please like layers and hierarchies sadly but so yeah that that's the fundamental reason uh i want to dive deeper into your thought process there yeah i definitely hear that challenge i mean i think businesses are ultimately made up of people and so you just have mm-hmm. to think about which audience do you want to influence most and then mm-hmm. you can always expand other audiences later i think that's something a lot of b2b community builders struggle with is they try and focus on every audience they try and create a space that works for everyone and it's just unlikely to work the things a ceo cares about are very different from what a community manager cares about True. even a frontline mm-hmm. community manager very different from a director of community thinking about right. different things or or different angles on those things and so mm-hmm. i think the more you can identify the persona you really want to influence the better now right. it depends on your product right um mm-hmm. if you have absolutely a very expensive sort of fundamental product i think crm mm. is an example um you want to go with decision makers you want to go with the, the high ups because an individual is probably not going to set up the crm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if there's a tool that an individual can set up and use um, mm-hmm. maybe notion would be an example i'm just thinking yeah. of that cuz we have our yeah. notion notes open right now for this call <laughs> uh, right. an individual can start using that and then it can expand throughout the organization and so right. in that case you might actually focus on the individual Right. I think if you look at like Slack, they landed somewhere in between where they said, "Okay, if we can get an individual team in the company using mm. our product, then it can spread throughout the company." If we mm. get a VP on board, yeah, maybe, but they have to kind of force some people. If we get five random people in the company, it doesn't matter because how often are those five random people messaging each other? Right. And so there's this concept from um a, a book by Andrew Chen called The Cold Start mm-hmm. Problem of the the yeah. atomic network. And so I think you have to think about what is that atomic I, network for your business. I'm actually reading it <laughs> as we speak. So uh, I just want to plug Andrew Chen shout out to him. Amazing yeah. book. Yeah. So you think about what is that atomic network? What is the the inroad that is going to get you into the organization? And so depending on your tool, maybe it's the frontline worker, you want to become so valuable that they say, "Hey boss, we should pay right. for this to get more people on it." 
or maybe it's the decision maker, hey, this is going to help your whole team improve. And so let's convince them. Mm. Um, so I think that's the first part is just not, not trying to blow the ocean, you know, focusing on, on the group that's going to matter to you. Mm. And then on the transactional part, you know, something we talked about a lot at Reddit and something that I think HubSpot really embodies is giving far more than you're getting, uh, mm. because then it, it transcends that transactional nature. When you get a cold message from a company, <laughs> your default is like, oh my God, they're going to bug me for something. Right. Like the first cold email from a company is, Hey, like, we think you're super smart. We want to interview you. Okay. That, that strokes mm. your ego. If it's, Hey, here's a resource you might find useful. Here's a thread you might find useful. Then you're starting to build up that value with that person. And if you can do five things to build value before you ask for anything, then the ask is going to be a lot easier. Mm. I think it's hard. You know, we try and move fast. Every business mm -hmm. wants immediate results, um, especially right. public companies, you know, it's quarter right. to quarter. It matters right. what the numbers are. But I think part of why HubSpot has succeeded is because it's really played the long game and focused mm. on let's provide the value so that in a year, these people that we are trying to market to will really care about us. Mm. And we might not get immediate results from that. Um, and I think you see that in product-led growth as well. You know, companies mm -hmm. are providing their product and their value for free True. to some extent so that people say, okay, this is valuable enough that I'm willing to talk to a salesperson. Right. I think that's really a total flip from how it was, you know, 20 years ago where it started with a right. salesperson and it was all very yeah. formal and very transactional. So mm -hmm. that's really where it started is just like knowing, hey, I'm going to have to deliver five pieces of value before I ask for anything. And that means that I'm going to have to make sure my management <laughs> understands mm -hmm. that I'm not going to have an immediate return. And it means I'm going to have to put the work in to figure out what value can I provide and how am I going to do it? I love what you said about give before getting. That's what you said, right? I think it's so mm -hmm. on point. Uh, and a lot many people, they actually kind of signal uh, their ask and think about, hey, I'm actually doing this event. Signaling that might benefit you is equal to value but you're still asking yeah. to participate or you're still asking to like, you know, uh, join an event or initiative. I feel, uh, that's a very amazing uh, way of putting it. Give before you get, you know, uh, love that. Yeah. And, and just to add to that briefly, you know, that also helps out when things go wrong. Um, right. this is something we thought a lot about at Reddit because in 2015, Reddit had hit a low point in terms of trust in the community. Hmm. Um, they made a series of bad moves and the community did not trust the company at all. Hmm. And what we found is in trying to rebuild that trust, I joined in 2017, we couldn't do one thing for them and then have their trust. And then, Hey, hmm. if you make a mistake, it's okay. We had to right. really build up from that bottom point. And so right. we would say, Hey, we have to do all of these things, build up this trust. And then if we break right. something accidentally, we have to sunset a feature, we make a controversial choice, they will give us some leeway. Um, but mm. we were, we were at the bottom of the, you know, the trust barrel is often what we talked about and we had to fill it up enough that we had that space and that gives right. you that room to have that grace. It also gives you that support when, you know, maybe your company comes under fire for something. If you've built up enough trust, your customers, your community will come to your rescue. If you haven't built right. that much, they might say, oh man, I didn't know that. Wait, wait right. a second. I need to reevaluate this company. Right. I love that. Uh, I want to talk about your experience at Reddit. How is it like, just, this, this is my, uh, me being fanboy of Alexis Hanian. 
how is it like working with him how and he's one of those people who champions community building like you know he always talks about it i recently saw a clip i think he went to cnbc where he was telling about like community building founders eventually will turn into you know turn themselves into communities not like user bases and what not right how was your experience working with him and overall i think what what do you guys you know uh, think about community at reddit like when when you were working there yeah so i didn't get to work with alexis much um he was a bit more involved in the day to day when i first joined and then he moved just into a board seat and then he moved off of the board um, mm. i did get to actually interview him for cmx maybe a, a year or two before i joined reddit which was fun um, and absolutely <laughs> i mean he 150% understands the value of community and mm. it's a long game and you know when you talk about providing value you know to your customers you can see him doing that now where uh, mm-hmm. you know the company he's investing in he's just providing a ton of value out of the gate sure. um, so definitely you know it inspiring person to have involved in the company i think you know the the reality of the day to day at reddit was complex and challenging because it wasn't something fully in our control and mm. This is something I talk about with community a lot. There's this spectrum of, you know, the more control you exert, the less uh, agency you're giving your mm. your members, the less they're going to do, the less passionate they're going to be. Um, you know, I think Facebook is an example of people are like, cool, this mm-hmm. is a tool I use. I don't have a lot of loyalty to it. And right. as soon as they start doing things they don't like, I'm out of here. Um, Reddit, on the other hand, you know, intense amount of freedom and ownership we gave people, which meant that they put an intense amount of time in. I mean, some mm. of the numbers we saw were like, some of the moderators were logging on one to two hours a day to moderate. I mean, it's mm. like a, a side gig for them that they right. were getting paid for. Um, right. And we got that because we had given them that freedom. Right. Um, that comes with unique challenges. We spent a lot of time trying to get buy-in. And right. you know, looking back and going, going back to the comparison of B2B and B2C, you know, everything we did at Reddit, we had to get buy-in from the community. Whereas mm. in B2B, to some extent, you kind of do your thing and people just, you know, vote with their dollars and if they really don't like it, they leave. Um, right. But yeah, we spent a lot of time trying to make sure folks were engaged and happy. And I think there are unexpected benefits from that. I think if you look at, um, you know, I'm not a Web3 person, but mm-hmm. if you look <laughs> at the adoption of NFTs on Reddit, I think the only reason that's one of the most successful like corporate mm. NFT projects is because the community is intensely right. skeptical of everything Reddit does and especially right. NFTs. And right. so the team really had to go about it in a way that was community first. So mm. if I understand correctly, the art is done by community members mm-hmm. um, in a way that you know was generous, giving these away, you know, creating a secondary market, but not um, charging people for them in mm-hmm. a way that wasn't hail corporate. So, you know, it was not, didn't use any of the web three nomenclatures about collectibles. And so I think, you know, what Reddit inadvertently got from having this, this very involved and skeptical user base is everything was really thought through in terms of how it rolled out to people. Um, and I think, you know, more, more community professionals could do that. I think you want to move fast and so you think I'm just going to do this. I think the community will be on board. The more you can involve them, the more you can co-create, the better it'll be. And, it's a sacrifice. You have to take the time. They might say no, right. Um, right. but ultimately you'll, you'll get farther. Yeah. I love that. I think, uh, and it's a different vibe. And, and I think Reddit played a massive role in the, in the, in the way of web three, you know, 
a lot many rooms opened up there were threats about these giveaways and what not i'm uh, i'm i'm also like not a not i don't call myself as an expert per se but <laughs> i just know from from a surface i think uh, one of the things i'm very curious about hubspot and i'm a big fan of you know the company is it's the community community i feel uh, is building at hubspot is coming from top down what i mean by that is darmesh the co-founder of hubspot he fundamentally believes in community building and i feel unlike other b2b companies i see they think about like a bottom up approach where let's do this to get results but dharmesh's take is entirely different right so i'm curious about in your lens in your words how do hubspot think about community what's the role of community in in the company yeah so for context i've been at hubspot for about 6 months um most of the community efforts were kind of scattered across the company now live under me uh so any any credit go, goes to them and not to me um we're very lucky to have darmesh mm-hmm. he absolutely gets community and understands the value and i think it's fascinating actually looking back at when he and brian halgan launched the inbound framework because mm. at the time you know selling was very much about outbound it was about go bug people to to the question right. you asked before you know right. it was going and trying to extract something from people saying hey i want right. your time i want to sell this to you and that was just kind of the norm nobody mm-hmm. really liked it but it was the way it worked mm-hmm. uh those two said hey well, what if we just provide enough value that people come to us and mm. they they want to love our brand so much and they're so connected and to us that we interestingly say, hey, we i think at the time the need was mm. and i think interestingly at the, at time, the time there wasn't a lot of content out there about how to run a modern business because at that business, point there wasn't a ton yeah, most of, of the content business content out there were books about corporate a lot of business content was sort of sort of thing you know talking about big business and classic business not internet business or you know smbs um or just you know how businesses run today uh, right. you know you're much more likely to find a, a biography about henry ford than you were to find anything about what people are currently right. doing right and so they created a ton of content and that brought in a lot of people who are looking for those answers right flash forward to today there's a lot of content out there there's plenty of content on running a startup oh running an yeah. smb um frankly some of the the quality has declined there's still plenty of people mm-hmm. writing great content but we see more ai generated content more of those mm-hmm. sort of like posts <laughs> that have you know 50 paragraphs outlining everything about the topic rather than actually right. providing value um because google has incentivized that sort of thing mm-hmm. and so now the value really is people want to hear from other people you know, if you mm-hmm. look at things like the edelman trust barometer the trust in corporations has decreased the trust in basically every institution has decreased mm-hmm. if you look at you know data people want to hear from their peers they want to hear mm-hmm. what other people are doing and they don't want to wait until that person has time Absolutely. to write a blog post or is able to release that information they just want to say hey like I'll show you my work if you show me yours mm-hmm. and so i think if if darmesh and brian were building inbound today i think they would actually build a community first because that is mm-hmm. where the value is at the time cool. it was content now it's community mm-hmm. and so absolutely what the company is doing now what i'm leading up is really thinking through how do we approach go to market how do we approach this idea of inbound through the lens of community and through the lens of by connecting people we will provide the most value 
Um, so it's an interesting challenge because it, it is a, a major transformation. But at the same yeah. time, like I said, I think it's very in line with the, the original values of the company. I love that. I love that uh, for various reasons. You know, it used to be content, and I, we are we're we're overloaded by information, <laughs> which is actually a, a bad thing, uh, right? Like you said, it's about the quality and not about like clickbait content, which is spreading around like across everywhere on the internet. And I'm so sad to see what's happening on Twitter as well. Like, you know, the level of content that has been creating on, on Twitter is, is it's always clickbait. Like I only see five different things I, I did in the past. Here's a thread or 10 different things you learned from X. There is no first-hand experience. Number one, that that degrades the con the, the quality. Number two is, it's always about like you know, uh, you follow me, you follow me. It's kind of like numbers game at this point. Mm-hmm. And in Twitter, sadly, after Elon taking, it's like even worse. Everything is like you know. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> random about that. <laughs> no, but I think you're right. I think it's social media is performative, right? We're on social media to project something. Maybe right. we're on TikTok to convince people we're funny, on LinkedIn to convince people we're worth hiring, on Twitter to convince people we're clever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd like to pretend it's not, but I think that's how we all treat it. And I think, again, that's where the value of community is because community says, hey, there's no audience. It's just mm-hmm. you and your peers. And this is your exactly. opportunity to be a real person. And mm-hmm. I think that's some of what we saw on, on Reddit is even though most of the subreddits are public, because it's pseudonymous, People were much more their real selves because they weren't trying to project mm. something about their identity. They were just trying to connect with their peers. Right. I wonder if we, if if Elon would have implemented the same tactics like what Reddit did, making everybody anonymous. Mm-hmm. I, I think nobody's going to show up. <laughs> yeah. Very few would show up to just like provide value to each other because you 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 remove that uh, what you call the status, right? And you just mm-hmm. are, you just are here to like produce content. I think those people are still there and I respect them. So there are like tons of people, uh, take Ryan Hoare's example. I, I, you know, kind of like only tweets about certain things he's curious about mm-hmm. and that's it. No clickbait, nothing. Yeah. There are like few folks who are into that stuff. Uh, funny. If, yeah. That, that would be a very interesting experiment, like making everybody's anonymous. Yeah. Just like I'm, post shit and see well, how you think about it. Everybody would like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about Twitter anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the experiment Twitter was trying, I don't know if they're still doing it, but at least a couple months ago with down votes is mm. really promising because I, what's interesting about Reddit is certainly there's still an aspect of, you know, there are people reading your content and you want them to like it, but mm. your karma, the points you get, magical mm-hmm. internet points, as we call them, mm-hmm. are based <laughs> on upvotes and downvotes. And so you're trying to create something that really resonates versus Twitter right. because it's really only based on likes. Right. You are just trying to get the most people like riled up. And so mm. this is why we see people going to these extremes where they're like, well, I'm going to say something that's going to make, you know, 50,000 Nazis really mm. excited. And I don't right. care about the majority of other people who find this right. content noxious because I'm going to get right. those 50,000 likes right. versus if you do that on Reddit, even if 50,000 Nazis upvote you, far more people are going to downvote you. And so I think right. it is much more about, hey, I'm providing yeah. value, as you said, to the comments. 
I like that. Yeah, I, I, I never, I think it, I overshadowed the downward button. I have to use it quite often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> let's not talk about like controversial things. This podcast is more about community building. <laughs> Apologize from my end, you know, sorry to bring Elon and Twitter into the picture. Yeah, but yeah let's, let's, you know, talk about some initiatives. I love the approach you're taking at HubSpot. It's more community, you know, driven. And what you said is peer to peer social proof is really important, right? And we do live in an age where with the overload of information, looking out and to your next peer is the most immediate human instinct that, you know, we observe and community is the answer. So what, what are some initiatives you're uh, leading up or you're planning to do if you want to like, you know, uh, give a sneak peek, uh, for, for our listeners. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much I can share, but at least share, <laughs> you know, at a high level. Um, and again, I, I don't want to take too much credit here because there were amazing sure. teams in place building great things when I joined. Um, you know, I think some of the things I'm excited about, um, our black and inbound community is fantastic. It's, it's creating, um, safe spaces for mm -hmm. black professionals to grow. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I'd, heard this phrase from that team the other day, safe spaces for people to be unapologetic in their identities. And I love that mm. because I think it's, it's such a strong perspective. And again, right. I think our tendency in B2B is to kind of water things down and be like, yeah, we've created a community for everyone and it's about mm. everything. And that doesn't resonate with people creating right. these specific niche spaces that provide really powerful connection value is where it's at. And so, right. yes, Black and Inbound has a, a natural ceiling in terms of how many people can join, but the value it's going to create for that group mm. of people is incredible compared to mm. just a general community. Right. The other area I'm really getting excited about is just thinking about how advocacy evolves in the next few years. Um, mm -hmm. You know, traditional advocacy is kind of like get people to do a case study, get them to provide a quote. Right. You know, research shows that people are increasingly skeptical of what's on your website. Everyone has you know, some fancy logos up there, <laughs> you know, sure. It's, it's a proof point, but it's not as convincing as it used to be. Right. Um, especially you think about how many people work at Google. Like it's pretty easy to say, we have customers at Google. It might be one guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <doesn't tell> you <laughs> much. And so Christina Garnett, who I think you've spoken to yeah. has done some amazing work on our hub fans program, which is really focused on how do we get our advocates out there in the world talking about what sure. we're doing. Right. And that's an area I really want to double down on because I think the mm. true opportunity is like getting your customers to talk to your prospects. Mm. And there's going back to our discussion of, you know, control versus letting go. There's mm -hmm. risk there. Your prospects might mm -hmm. tell them, Hey, yeah. there are some problems or they might say this isn't for you, but sure. it is the most convincing thing. And frankly, right. those warts, people know your product isn't perfect. And so hearing right. from your customer, here's the things that are great. Here's the things that are not so great. As long as the things that are great are more impressive, Generally, right. I think prospects appreciate hearing the truth about what things aren't and, um, in the and, same and, way. You know, go ahead. Yeah. And I think your, and, and to add to that transparency always wins at the end, right? And transparency coming from advocates is much more powerful than transparency, like coming from the company founders, because there is some sense of, uh, bias to, yeah. you know, to founders, uh, argument or dialogue. But when it comes to advocates, they're like non-biased. They they have, they don't have any interest whatsoever. But they actually truly are advocating on on your behalf, which I think is the real signal. Uh, I think that's yeah. important, uh, which I just want to add. But yeah, didn't mean to stop Absolutely. you there. 
No, no, exactly. And, and I think what specific trade-offs matter to people, um, are, are important. And so being able to hear, Hey, yeah, you know, their import tool, and this is not specific to HubSpot, but their import tool could use a little work, but their data organization is great. That's really valuable information because I might value one of those things more than the other. Um, being able to hear how the implementation went is really important because every company says easy implementation, our team will help you. But hearing like, what was your actual experience? Um, all of that is incredibly important. So very excited about that. I love that. Yeah. Looking forward for all the things you do at HubSpot, you know, like I said, um, we're here to like support every, every initiative you, you take up, take, take it up. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit to just like in general. Sorry, give me, give me one second. I'm supposed to be in a one-on-one -on -one right now, but I know we got delayed. So let me just message them and let them know okay. that I won't be able to make it. Yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll wrap up in the next, I think 15 minutes. You only have three more questions. Cool. I just let them know. So we should be good. Awesome. All right. Um, so again, three, two, one. Uh, yeah, of course we're going to support everything you do at HubSpot. We, we love, uh, the brand ethos, the things you do for our community in general. So let's switch guess a little bit to talk about in general, about your, your take on community building. Um, I think I want to ask this it's kind of like a personal question. What are some, uh, mistakes you made? You see, you had like 15 years of experience and there are like so many lessons and so many, uh, experiments, like you said, again, uh, you've implemented in these companies. What are some, some things you highlight you want to highlight in this episode? Yeah. I mean, I think one, I, I learned very, I don't know, not painfully for me, but painfully for them at, at user voice was not being the center of your community. Mm. I think that can naturally happen. You obviously want to be human and personable and you, you want to be present. But what I discovered when I left is that that community had been entirely based around me and mm. the community kind of collapsed and mm. I felt bad about that. I mean, you know, it didn't directly affect me, but I felt bad. I wish right. I had lifted up more leaders in the company and in the community to, to right. be there. And actually I was pretty intentional. I read it at never being too much in the limelight, let my team be in the limelight. I let mm. our moderators you know, be in the limelight talking to each other because I didn't want it to be a big deal when I left. And true enough, like when I left, I didn't do, I don't think I did a goodbye post. I don't think anyone really noticed at, right. you know, externally. And that that's ideal, I think actually, because I, I built the structure that could outlast me. Um, so that's an important one. Um, I think another is it's easy to rush ideas before doing analysis. Mm. And this isn't to say don't write down your ideas when you have them, but I can count a number of times in which I was like, I have this idea that sounds so exciting. Here it is. Hey boss, let's do this. Mm. And I think the crucial part of starting any project is understanding what the situation really is. Um, I've just been right. reading a, a book called good strategy, bad strategy. And mm, it talks yeah. about, First, you identify the challenge. What is the challenge you're trying to address? That goes back to the beginning of our conversation of just, you, you need mm -hmm. to understand what your organization is trying to do. True. And then second, you, you try and build some theses about why do you have that challenge? Rather than just throwing ideas at the wall, what are the underlying problems that are in place? Right. And from there, if you can validate those, then you can say, okay, well, what is the thing 
you know, really not very many things, one or two things we can do differently to change this. Hmm. And it's usually not a list of 20 ideas it might start that way. It's usually one or two things that can really change the shape. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I see too many teams. And I say this as someone who has done this myself many times start with, Ooh, I have 10 cool ideas. I'm going to do them. And then mm. they might move the needle a little tiny bit, but not a ton. Right. I think Richard Millington is really good at illustrating this. He always talks about like, yeah, it's great that you're doing all those ideas. But when we analyze the success of our clients' communities, it's always relatively straightforward things. And that's part of this book. You know, most strategies aren't actually that exciting. <laughs> They're mm. actually just fundamental changes. Um, mm. So, you know, one of the things that Richard Millington has identified that we tested and found to be true at Reddit was the faster you reply to somebody posting the first time, the more likely they will be to retain. And it's pretty obvious in retrospect, like, yeah, mm-hmm. first time poster, you, you want to get some sort of response. Mm-hmm. It's not very exciting, uh, mm-hmm. but it works. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think 90% of community teams are coming up with fun, cool engagement ideas instead of just making sure that their first time right. posters are getting a quick reply. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think really taking that time to analyze the situation is super important and, mm. you know, share a time at Reddit that I think we did that well, which is, you know, we heard complaints from moderators that they were having to do too much and work too hard and they wanted us to solve for that. Right. And, you know, we were working on tools to take on more of that work ourselves, to automate it, to make it easier, but we were never going to be able to make a huge dent in that way. And so rather than just throwing a bunch of ideas at the wall on, on how to make their lives easier, we took the time to investigate why are their lives so hard? Mm. What we found is, oh, their teams are really small. Like some of these subreddits mm. had a team of five moderators when they were 10,000 people and a team of five moderators when they were 10 million people. So mm, they're like, oh, okay. okay, of course. So that's the right. challenge. These teams aren't big enough. What are the reasons why? And as we dug in, we found, well, it's really hard to figure out who to ask to be a moderator. You know, most of your users are silently reading and upvoting. So how do you know who's good? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to train them. It's a lot mm-hmm. of work. And then most of them leave and don't stick around. And so why bother? Right. And so that gave us really clear theses. Okay, if we can address these things, we can improve the situation. And so we first built a tool. And by a tool, I mean like a data expert and a spreadsheet that helped <laughs> them find people who had done a lot of upvoting, a lot of reporting of content that was bad to be able to say, hey, here's, you know, five to 10 people we think would be good moderators for you. They're, they're you know, good citizens of your community. Validated that with them. They said, oh yeah, these are good people. Then we built a lightweight training program, very funky, you know, hosted <laughs> via posts on Reddit basically. Mm-hmm. And showed that to them. They said, oh, this is good training. We ran some people through it and we found that the people who took that training stuck around longer as moderators. Mm-hmm. So boom, we had solved the other two problems. And right. so since I left, the team has built that out into like, I think a real tool for recruiting people into a robust education center, but it was all about taking that time to really say, what is the challenge and what are the reasons for this? And then what are our theses for how we can solve this and how can we test those? And again, I think in the rush to come up with big, exciting ideas, a lot of teams spend too much time just throwing stuff at the wall instead of understanding those fundamental issues. So, you know, I love that continuing to learn that, but yeah, wish I learned that earlier in my career. (laughs) I love that so much. I think uh, there's so much, uh, doing things that don't scale way thinking ran, ran with, with that experiment, right? Like understanding moderators and also like kind of giving them the tools they require to scale their team, which is completely, again, 
give before you ask. Uh, I I love that. Uh, so let's say I want let's I want to talk about like beginners in the community building. Like there are so many. It's it's been a buzzword late, lately. You know, everybody's kind of want to start a community. Where should you think uh, one should start? And what advice do you have for for founders like they're building their startups and many realize before building a product itself, let's actually build a community so that we have a we have a voice to you know experiment with. Like we have these feature and so on and so forth, like tight feedback loops and whatnot. So, what 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 do you say for them? Yeah, I, I wrote a piece about this on HubSpot's Medium account, um, and you know, the first place to start is just understanding, again, what the challenge mm -hmm. is, what you're trying to solve for. Um, you know, the spaces model that I helped build at CMX is useful and mm -hmm. really encourage just choosing one thing you're trying to solve. Ultimately, mm -hmm. community can solve a lot of things and a mature mm -hmm. community, if you look at like Salesforce's community, can solve a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But you want to start with one thing. Then you want to understand, can you put the time into this? Because mm. as we've discussed in this conversation, community takes time. It takes investment. you got to give right. a lot before you take. Right. And a lot of small companies don't actually have that time. And they mm. kind of think, oh, we'll throw up a Slack and we'll post in there once in a while and we'll have you know a great community. You're going to need to invest more than that. And it's okay to say, mm -hmm. you know what? That's not a priority. We'd like to, but actually mm -hmm. here are you know, three other priorities that we'd rather put our money into. And then third, you have to make sure you can provide actual value for your community. Um, I mm. think especially now, I don't believe in the, you know, this theory of community burnout, but I think their consumers have a lot of options. And so mm -hmm. if I want to join a customer service community, you know, when I was at user voice, I don't know, 10 years ago, there really were none. And so mm. all we had to do was create it. Now there's a lot of options out there. And so you have to figure out, well, what value am I bringing? Why is mine going to be better? Is it just going to mm. have more people in it because I have some trick to getting more people in it? Uh, is it going to be aimed at a specific type of customer service professional? Is mm -hmm. it going to have a unique format that provides value? Um, you know, what exactly is it that I'm going to be able to offer? And I think this is where many companies fall down because they think, oh, we'll just throw the community up and it'll happen. People are busy. Mm. They have a lot yeah. of choices. Um, and actually, um, who was it? I think common room just released some data that showed that chat communities tend to have a big boost of activity when they're first started. And then it drops off significantly much more than a forum. Mm -hmm. And so I think you also get this mirage of you throw together a Slack, invite people in a bunch of people join. They're like, Hey, cool. Check out the new space. And you think I've done it. <laughs> I have an active community. And then after that, they're like, so what do we do here? Mm. <laughs> There's nothing to do. Okay, I'm going to go. And right. uh, so, you know, really taking that time to understand, are you providing value? In the same way you would do product market fit for a product, you have to understand, right. are you going to provide enough value for your audience? And then mm -hmm. once you have that, great. You can start small. You can start cheap. It's actually like one of the cheapest and most efficient things you can build. Mm -hmm. But if you do it without, you know, checking those other boxes first, you're going to struggle. I love that. Definitely some incredible lessons uh, there for many folks. So one, what, what do you say one quality, we're talking about beginners, uh, one quality you insist like they should carry? It's empathy. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of learnable skills. You can learn a lot about the logistics of running a community. You right. can learn a lot about how businesses operate, but 
community building, both, you know, figuring out again, that initial value you're providing people, but also moderating those spaces on a day-to-day -day basis requires that you're able to understand where people are coming from mm. because you're going to deal with people who are irrationally mad about something. You're going to deal with people who should find value in your community, but don't, and you're going to want to like yell at them and be like, why aren't you active? Mm. And you have to be able to really put yourself in their shoes and say, okay, what is motivating this person? Mm. What is you know going on under the surface that compels them to do things? And then how do I address that? And, you know, this is true of customer service too. You know, yeah, uh, absolutely. You see customer service teams often flailing where somebody calls their or writes in, they're really mad about something and the team is trying to fix it. And the person is like, no, 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 I want you to hear me. And <laughs> the team is like, we do, we're trying to fix it. But what I always told my teams is that person probably needs to yell at you two to three times and needs right. to repeat it back multiple times. Exactly. They want to know that you feel their pain. And right. I think similarly with communities, community members want to know that you get what they need. And when they're frustrated with how the communities manage, they want to know that you understand what's going on there. Yeah. The bonus, by the way, is this is a great skill for being in a company because mm -hmm. the biggest issue I see with collaboration in companies is that going back to our earlier conversation, it is transactional. Mm. We're like, hi, customer success. I need you to do this thing. And customer right. success is like, cool. I need to do this other thing. No, thanks. Right. Instead of saying customer success, what are you trying to do? Oh, great. Right. Here's how we can work together to accomplish that. Right. And so I think empathy is actually a highly yep. applicable skill. And as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I think that is why, at least for the OG group, a lot of the original community builders came from non-tech backgrounds. They came mm. from sort of more artistic spaces where empathy is valued more and, and more than right. norm. So I think it's a, a highly valuable skill. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's so important. And empathy and what you said is actually, you know, understanding is also uh, happens if you are willing to listen. Like, it's not like you kind of like Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm flexible now because I canceled that meeting. So if you need to restart, that's fine. You want to restart? Okay, I'll be here.
All right. Okay. Success. Success. Cool. All right. I think uh, it's it's been a nightmare. I have to like talk to Riverside folks, but I feel yeah. We I only have one question, so you know we can wrap it up. Uh, so yeah, you know I think we'll 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 go through that again a little bit. In my response, and then you know we can shut it down. Uh, yeah, absolutely true. Again, three, two, one, go. Absolutely true, Ivan. I feel uh, adding to the empathy. I feel and the, the the thing you said about understanding. Understanding is really about listening and being silent, having a conversation. I I think one of the things we're we're doing at Threado is is to have one-on-one conversations with simple, small, fifteen-minute tight conversations, and we want to understand them personally on a personal level, so that we know what they want and we do things for them. It's like how founders should find problems and solve for customers communities about listening and you know understanding so definitely an underrated and massively important uh, you know skill uh, quality for community builders so last question i don't have many questions uh, but this has been like a blast uh, ivan like we should do this again for sure uh, last question from my end what's something that you think is not talked often about community building in public yeah i mean i think the i want to say depressing but <laughs> honest truth is mm. most communities are not very active and not very successful it is actually a hard thing to nail i think that can be obscured by the fact that it's not hard to start a community it's not hard to get some activity Right. But, you know, I've seen people on podcasts talking about their community initiative and all the thought that went into it. And then I go check out the community and the last post was from like a month ago. Mm. And that's not to criticize them. I have also yeah. had that experience. Um, right. You know, when we analyzed things at Reddit, it was at the time something like 2% of communities succeeded. Um, you know, that's oh. obviously a, a different scale and situation, but um, right. it was pretty stark. And it was something we worked on and, and there were ways to improve it. But uh, I think community building is harder than people think. I think it's easy mm-hmm. to get that kind of initial mirage, but to actually deliver value requires everything we've talked about, really having mm-hmm. a clear vision of what you're trying to solve, you know, why it isn't solved, what your members need, how you're going to address that, implementing best practices, trying a lot of things and failing. Um, and right. so... I, you know, say that not to scare people off or depress them, but A, to normalize it. Hey, it's okay if your community fails or isn't as active as you'd like. Mm. Happens to all of us. It's very common, but not talked about. And B, to encourage folks to think about community similar to product. I've mentioned mm. product market fit before. Mm-hmm. I think most communities start too big and they should mm. start as experiments. And as hey, I have this thesis that... I can solve my goals and the goals of this member by creating this sort of space for them. And I'm going to try the simplest version and plan on having five more versions and hope one of them hits. And if they do great, I'll double down on that. If they don't normalize shutting them down because Mm. I think we get stuck with these sort of zombie communities that aren't very active, but we feel like if we shut them down, we failed, you know, lose our job when in fact it's the same as products. Most products fail. Yeah. So it's it's not a, a criticism of the industry, but I think rather something we need to normalize and and a p- approach to launching communities that needs to change from here's my big launch and now I have to do everything I can to drive engagement in this community to 
I'm going to try things until I find something that really clicks for people, because then I won't have to be desperately trying to engage people every moment of the day. Right. I, I think 100% agree. I feel a lot many community builders lack self-awareness, just like, you know, many founders lack self-awareness, like reading, reading the current situation, like how to act and whatnot. I feel uh, that, that, that awareness solves most of the uh, problems which you mentioned, which is, you know, not many communities become successful and it's okay. You know, we're, it's, it's, it's anyway, it's going to be like hit or trial and, uh, and it, it's about tapping on the curiosity. So, uh, Ivan, it's been like all the answers you said is, um, it's, it's kind of like every, everything is a gem for me and hopefully for listeners as well. And I, I can clearly sense that why you're in this space for 15 years. So <laughs> there is, a, there is a reason for that. And this conversation is kind of like a proof, uh, but this has been a blast. Thank you so much for taking time. Appreciate you, uh, you know, for going back and forth in between in our session as well. So where can people find you? What's, what's, uh, what's one spot? Like they can like, okay, this is where I can find you one. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. These were great questions and I, I love the opportunity to reflect on what we're doing. It helps me be better. So uh, thank you. Um, I'm, you know, most active, uh, with my newsletter. Um, so if you mm -hmm. go to evanhamilton.com, you can find a link at the top to community manager breakfast, sign up there. I nice. send out three links, uh, every Monday to the best community articles I can find. This is, mm. you know, I go through dozens to find you the best. So, uh, try and make it worth nice. your time. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn as Evan Hamilton. Um, and yeah, we'd be excited to uh, connect. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we we're going to put everything in the show notes as well. Uh, all the links and links you can, uh, where you can uh, literally like reach out to Iwan. Uh, again, yeah. Thanks for listening folks. This, this is the second episode of uh, community decoded podcast. I'm your host, uh, Sharath, uh, signing off. See you for the next episode. Cheers. Hey.